Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, before I do dive into the, into the sermon, uh, a couple exciting things are happening here at the Valley. The first is in September, we are launching our next location in Sydney. You've maybe heard of it. Maybe if you're new, you haven't. Our vision here at the Valley Church is multiple expressions of the Valley Church in every community God calls us. In other words, I believe every church, or excuse me, I believe every city, every town, every village, every, uh, every neighborhood deserves a church that's reaching the next generation, that's making a difference where people live, work, and play. And so they're, they're, they're rocking. In fact, we have a big banquet thing tonight that's going to be happening there. They have a launch team that's really strong. They have ministry champions and leaders that are really strong. Uh, and they're going to be launching uh, the last Sunday in uh, September. So one way that we are coming alongside to help them as locations, because we are one church. We're one church, one board, one bank account, separate budgets, but in one mission, one vision, one values, is to uh, help them with their chairs, and so PICWA started that last week, and, and I'd love to come alongside and help them. So here's what we're asking. We're asking if you would consider buying a chair or buying multiple chairs, because I'll just tell you from firsthand experience, starting a new church is really hard <laughs> and really difficult. And sometimes people don't have a clue. Well, if you've never done it, you don't know. I mean, it, it is grueling. And you need as many people supporting you and encouraging you. And one thing I say a lot is an empty seat's not okay. An empty seat's not okay because it represents a person. It represents a story. It represents someone who needs to collide with Jesus Christ. And so would you help them get more chairs so that they can fill them with more people in Shelby County and that surrounding area to see more lives transformed? So it's very easy. Each Chairs are expensive, by the way. Uh, crazy expensive. Well, everything is, I guess, anymore. But uh, So for $63 gets one chair. <laughs> need to go into the chair business. Uh, but $63. And so that QR code there, you can scan it and we'll send out emails. It's on our website too. But there's a drop down menu on, on our giving. So if you go to the valley.church or go to our app and go to giving, you can pick different you know, menu drop down. One of them says making room for more. I did it myself this week. I, I didn't tell my wife, but we bought a chair. She's not going to care. Okay. Uh, but for $63, or if you just want to give $30 or $10, it doesn't matter. If you want to give $1,000, obviously that's not, Cindy is not going to be upset about that, who's our campus pastor there. But I, I just, this is what we do at the Valley. We just come alongside our other locations and so they can launch strong. And so that's one thing you can do. You can just scan the QR code. You can get your phones out now if you want. That doesn't bother me. Or uh, you can go to our website, thevalley.church, and again, make that contribution. I would love between our PICWA and between our Troy locations if we were able to bless them with all their chairs. Wouldn't that be cool? Did you know, by the way, that our Pickwell location blessed us with all the, the chairs you're in right now? By the, okay, yeah, okay. A while ago. Um, I think it was like to the tune of about 15,000. So uh, because they believe the same thing we believe because we're one church that empty seats not okay. I also want to talk about some just next steps here. Um, if you haven't figured out, if you've been coming, uh, we're filling up pretty much every Sunday. I walked in, I was teaching class, walked in this morning, I'm like, yeah, we're full. That's a good thing, by the way, okay? That's what I want. Uh, and so uh, I've been working for the last year on trying to, I mean, 
pretty much when we moved in here, I just have, I just, faith is my number one spiritual gift, by the way. So I just believe God's going to do amazing things because you care about people who don't know Jesus. You're going to make invitations and we're going to work really hard. We're going to, here's my philosophy. I pray as if everything depends on God and work as if everything depends on me. And I think somewhere in that middle, it's good theology. Okay. We pray if everything depends on God and we work and we just want to reach lost people. And so uh, we're in the, we're, we're making progress on trying to expand here two, and have more space. We desperately need space for our kiddos. Uh, we have a ton of kids that come here every Sunday. In fact, one-third, it's growing. It's, uh, my dream is one-half, but right now, over one-third, we're getting to one-quarter. No, one-quarter is less than one-third. So we're getting, <laughs> we're getting, <laughs> I taught science. Come on. Um, but we're getting close to almost 40% of every Sunday as 18 and under. Our teens now average uh, 40, 45, and hit 50 most Sundays. So um, I just want to kind of say be praying. I can't give too much more info other than we're, we are getting close to potential some agreements and even architecture things and all that. Uh, we, we knew that, Here's kind of my thinking. We're, we're expanding here and we're going there. We're going to launch a location out of here. I don't know exactly where yet, but that's just who we are. When we, when we launched this look, church, we said we were going to birth another church out of this church. Uh, we are not just going to stay here. So our dream is to continue to grow here and reach more lost people and see hundreds of people baptized over the next couple of years, but also to go there, wherever there is, and make a difference. So just want to give you an update on that as far as we're working on it. I'm well aware because um, sometimes you can be like, well, I don't know if I want to invite my friends. Will there be a seat for them? We will figure that out. We will make sure there's seats. I'm going to actually buy some more chairs, I think, for here. We'll figure out some way to make that happen. But we are looking at some expansion and uh, expanding the auditorium, a, bit, you know, a, lot, a ton of more space for kids. But uh, it's, there's a lot of things to go through. So I just need prayer, and I'm going to keep you updated as we go in the weeks ahead. Well, today is week three of this series called Defining Moments, and we've been following the life of Peter. In the life of Peter, uh, we saw on Resurrection Sunday that he went to this tomb, the tomb was empty, and it started to mess with him, and it played a role in changing his life. And then last week, we kind of went backwards a little bit in the sense that Peter had failed Jesus at the biggest time he was needed in his life. When Jesus needed Peter to come through for him, Peter folded like a cheap tent. And because of that, he lived in regret, and he had a period of regret and remorse and probably some depression and definitely some, some shame. And then last week, we looked at the time that Jesus restored him. Jesus looked at him and said, your identity is not in your past. Your identity is in who you, I say you are, and your identity is the difference you make in the future. Are you good for that? Are, glad, are you glad for that? Your identity is not in the past? Anyone glad? We can clap in church by the way. Anyone glad your identity is not in the past? That you're a new creation in Christ if you've, if you've said yes to him. And if you say yes to him today, which I'll give you an opportunity to do that, you are a new creation in Christ as you leave today. I think all of us want to be bold and courageous, don't we? All of us want to be bold. We want to be courageous. We want, we look at the movies and we're like, I want to be like, you know, we get, we get pumped about like Saving Private Ryan or, or, um, um, I wrote it down because I'm not a movie buff. So I just, uh, Braveheart, we get pretty excited about Braveheart. We get excited, hidden figures. I mean, when we see those movies where the main character, main characters are courageous, don't you like, you kind of like, I want to be like them. Anyone? I do anyhow. And I watch like two movies a year, but you know, or like Field of Dreams, you know, when he built, no, I guess that's not one. Okay. That's a baseball movie. 
filled a field, you know, that's pretty courageous. Um, we, we just desire for that. I think innate within all of us, we want to be courageous, don't we? We don't want to wimp out. We don't want to be weak. We don't want to just kind of set. We don't want to settle. Anyone want to settle in here? We don't want to settle. We want our lives to have significance. We want them to have meaning, which means if that's going to happen, we have to be courageous. I remember in college, there was this bridge um, about 10 minutes away from the campus, a bridge that, of course, over, went over the water. And for whatever reason, this bridge became pretty popular for jumping off of into the water among college students. We might be getting smarter going to college, but we don't act it, okay, right? Especially us guys. And so I remember uh, hearing about it, and some of my friends and I, we went there one day, a big group. There was probably, it wasn't all my friends, but there was probably 40 people there. And people were just jumping off the bridge, you know, into the water. I mean, like, just jumping, jumping. And, and you know, now, again, you ever been in that situation? Like, man, I, I can't. I can't wimp out. I, I just can't do it. And people are like, you got to do it, man. It's awesome. You got to do it, you know. And, I'm, and I, now I'm 6'4". And so... And they weren't. Like, they were 5'8", five, 5'9", five, 5'11". And my question back to them was a very, I think, good question in my, my context. Did your feet hit the bottom? <laughs> Did your feet hit the bottom? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to hit it harder <laughs> than you. And I like walking. It's, and, you know. But, man, when everyone's jumping, you know, peer pressure, right? I'm like, all right. And I'm just scared out of my mind. I'm like, man, you know. And, but, you know, I get up there and I'm like, here we go, right? You just like, forget it. I'm just going to jump. And I did hit the bottom. Obviously, I'm still walking. But what happens then once you do it? What do you think I did? Again. And again. And again, right? And I wasn't as dumb as a couple of my friends who they actually climbed up the bridge and went off from the top. Um, like, but one of them's a orthopedic surgeon now and the other is an eye doctor. So I guess you've got to be bold and courageous to do those jobs. Okay? Not much common sense. So do you need courage today? You don't have to raise your hand, but anyone need courage today? Is there some area of your life where you need to be more courageous? Is there some area or something in your life you wish you were more courageous that you just would see that? Maybe you need to have a courageous conversation. Maybe you need to be more bold about your faith. Maybe you need to have more courage in asking someone to go out on a date. Maybe you need more courage to you fill in the blank, right? Because I know this about humanity is it's not natural for us to be courageous, Right? It's natural for us to shirk back. It's natural for us to kind of live more safe. We like security. We like safety. And to step out, to step out into the unknown, to step out into the courageous zone is what? Scary. That's actually common sense. To step out into somewhere you've never been before should elicit fear. Right? It should make you nervous. It should create a little bit of healthy anxiety. But we don't want to settle, do we? We don't want to just live an average life. We don't want to just clock in and clock out. We, we want more. All of us do. Now, some of, some of you have kind of forgotten that. You've just kind of settled. You didn't mean to. I don't think we mean to. I don't think we mean to kind of opt out of being courageous. I think it just happens over time, right? We get comfortable with this. We get comfortable with that. Maybe at one point, 
you did something courageous and it blew up. And you're like, I'm not going back and doing that again. But part of my job as your pastor is to kick you square in your comfort zone. Did you know that? It's actually in my position description, not in writing. I put it in. Part of my position description is to kick myself and kick you square in the comfort zone. Because I just know myself that I will settle. I know myself and I will play it safe. I know myself and I don't want to put myself out there where I might fail, where I might fall on my face, where I might, right, dot, dot, dot. Today we're going to be in Acts. The book of Acts is interesting because it's one of those books in the Bible that kind of preaches itself. I was thinking about this that week. I mean, I have points and different things today, but I'm like, it kind of just preaches. You look at the book of Acts, this is the early church. And it's a record of the early church by Luke, the physician who, who was with Jesus, and he records all these things. And it's just a life, day after day after day, of people living in the courageous zone. So it kind of preaches itself. And I think what we can look at today and look at Peter and how Peter was transformed from who he used to be to then who he became, I think it can encourage each of us, if you let it. I think it could change each of us if we let it. I think it could take us out of the comfort zone and put us in the courageous zone if you and I let it. And so... It's on page 885. If you want to follow along, I highly encourage people to always have their Bibles. If it's not the one in their phone, grab the ones in front of your seat. If you're with us online, by the way, welcome. We're glad you're with us today, and um, they will have those passages for you. I never tell them that, and then they, I just put it on our chat host. they probably be like, I hate this guy, okay? Um, but, you know, put some link on there, something the Bible gateway or whatever. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4. We're going to bounce around a little bit to chapter 1, too. But uh, I'm going to be throughout chapter 4, so, and I really don't have a problem if you're reading that while I'm talking, because <laughs> I want you immersed in Scripture because it can change your life. So here's the setting. As we're looking at the setting is Peter and John are in jail. <laughs> They're in prison. I'm going to get in just a moment. I'm going to tell you, uh, or not in a moment, in a little bit, I'm going to tell you why they were in prison. But when we're looking at this, we see this. We see this one passage here. It says this, when they saw their courage, they were astonished. Do you see that in there? You see it on the screen. <laughs> When they saw their courage, so they were being interrogated by the jailers. They were being interrogated by the, fair, the religious leaders. And as we're reading this passage, it says, they saw their what? Say it out loud. They saw their? And they were astonished. Don't you know, I love that. I don't know about you, but for me, I am always astonished with my lack of courage. <laughs> I am astonished of how weak I can be sometimes. I am astonished of how fearful I can live. I am astonished of the times that I'm not bold. <laughs> I just love that. It says they saw their courage. These guys were fearless and they were astonished. Wouldn't that be a cool thing? I don't know, that'd be a cool thing to put on your gravestone. Okay, I'm not, not recommending, we none of us want that yet. But wouldn't it be cool to say, people saw my courage and they were astonished. It's not, it's not a bad tagline for life, right? What if that people just said that about you? Man, this person, I'm not gonna name names, but you know, this person, I saw his courage and I was astonished how courageous he is. 
I'm just astonished with how courageous she is. I am astonished with how courageous this kid is. I'm astonished with how courageous this teenager is. Wouldn't that be cool? That people were just astonished with how bold and courageous. And then I love that this next part's in. It says that they noticed that they were unschooled and ordinary men. You know, the Bible, man, it just, it helps me so much. <laughs> because I look at them and I'm like, these guys are in a different league than me. You ever look at some people sometimes when it comes to their faith and you're like, I, I'm never going to get there. That's never going to be. I could never do that. I could, I'm just hoping to put one foot in front of the other today. <laughs> I'm just hoping to make some, uh, I'm hoping that if I have to make 100 decisions a day, I hope that 51 are good and 50 are, I hope I'm plus one, <laughs> right? I hope I just survive throughout the day. And it says that they were unschooled. They literally were, by the way. And the reason that they were fishing when Jesus called them to follow them was because they had flunked out of rabbinical school. Serious. The one that you would, you would have to learn the Torah at a young age, by the age of 12, I think it was, you would know like what we call the Pentateuch, which is the five, five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They would memorize. <laughs> Puts me to shame. They would have it memorized. And then they would be learning more and more. And if you didn't make the cut to go to become a rabbi, then you would go back to the family business. And so when Peter and John in particular, who were fishermen, when Jesus calls them and says, come follow me, they, had, they were unschooled. They were uneducated. They were not leaders in the culture. And they were just ordinary, ordinary people. Does that give you a little hope today? It gave me hope when I read it. That they were astonished with their courage, but then they looked at them. They were just ordinary men. Now, I'm not going to read, actually, I'm going to read. I don't have it on a slide, but I'm going to read the uh, rest of this passage here, starting in verse 14. But I covered what was before. In verse 14, it says this. But since they could see the man who had been healed, I'm gonna, that's, by the way, that's why they were in jail, and I'm gonna, that's going to be a big part of today's response. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to, be, to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle. I, yeah, this is just me, but I'm like, what kind of, is there non-outstanding miracles? <laughs> you got to be in my, it's a, uh, you don't want to be in my mind. But I mean, when I'm reading the Bible, I'm like, man, it's, like what, what, what was there a lame miracle? No, okay, I am sorry. They saw the outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny. It. In other words, uh, and by the way, the miracle was a guy who couldn't walk for forty years started walking. You can't deny that, okay? Uh, but to stop telling this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called the man and, and again and commanded them, "You're not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus at all." But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking, what? We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and we can't keep our mouth shut. After further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Peter and John were possessed by the best news ever. 
Easter Sunday was the best day ever. They were possessed by the best news that had ever happened, that a dead guy had come flying out of the grave, and they put it all together, and this was the promised Messiah who was prophesied in Ezekiel and Isaiah and other of the prophets in the Old Testament. They are the one they were waiting on, and he came, and he defeated death, and he rose again, and they couldn't keep their mouths shut. Not only because they had met him, but because they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And it had changed their life. Can we say the same for ourselves? I don't think I can. I'm, I, that's one of my prayers for myself, that I can't stop talking. I can't, I, can start, I, I can't stop talking about football and baseball and other things, but can I, can, when can I get to where I can't stop talking about the things that I see God doing? That's what I said to our social media people that last week. I said, hey, Every day, baptisms, this week, next week, all over. I don't want to stop talking about what God did last week in the lives of people. And by the way, we have more baptisms coming up next week. And if you want to get baptized, you haven't got baptized, put on your connection card, shoot me an email, talk to Jessica Zwalik. We're going to have more because I'm just like, we're just, the spirit's moving and we're not going to, and be bold and be courageous. But they could not stop talking and so I asked this question to myself as I read this. How did Peter go from a short period of time where he's in a courtyard, the same high priest, by the way. He wasn't in front of the high priest at that time. He was in his courtyard, a slave girl, and some other people low on the social rung at that time asked him, hey, aren't you the guy that was with Jesus? And he collapsed. He folded. He, he, he had no courage. A short time later, he's in front of the high priest, <laughs> And challenged, and not only does he not fold, he looks at him and says, I don't care, kill me. Kill me if you got to. I'm not stopping, to, I'm not going to stop talking about what Jesus has done in my life, and I'm not going to stop talking. And so, do you, do you see why I'm asking myself that question? It's a simple question. What happened to this guy? What happened between then and now? And so I go back to scripture because I can't, you got to, the Bible should, we just got to go for the answers to that. Well, he answered it. He said, they said, by what power or name did you do this? And it says this, then Peter, here's your answer to the question, by the way. Then Peter filled with the spirit. Sometimes we struggle with the Holy Spirit. Francis Chan wrote a great book called The Forgotten God because we talk about God the Father, we talk about Jesus, but we kind of get weirded out by the Holy Spirit sometimes. Because we're like, well, you know, I don't know. It's, you know if his power kind of, well, let me backtrack a little bit. What is the Holy Spirit? Well, it's part of the Trinity. It's not a biblical term, actually. It came in the second century. But God the Father and Jesus the Son. But God said then, I would send my spirit. Spirit all exists. But he said, I'm going to send my spirit to come and not just dwell amongst you. I'm going to come and if you say yes to Jesus, he's going to come and live inside of you. The spirit, quite simply, and theologians would struggle, but I'm, going to, I'm not going to give you a big, deep definition. It's simply God's presence and his power within you. It's the helper. It's God's presence and it's his power. Jesus is no longer on this earth. God, God is heaven. So he sent his presence and he sent his power to live within you so that you can be bold and you can be courageous, you can be convicted of sin, you can, all those things that the Holy Spirit does. It's God within you. It's resurrection power within you. And he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now we read this in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. You'll see it on the screen. I told you I'd be jumping back to Acts 1 a little bit. Let's go to that verse, please. It says this, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift, the Spirit is a gift, my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now you're like, that is so weird. I understand water baptism, but what's spirit baptism? And some of you are like, yeah, that's when things get really weird. People start falling over. People start talking language we don't know. That could happen, but it's not what it actually means. The word baptism in the Greek is baptizo, baptizo. And it literally means for one object to be submerged in another. Think of a sunken ship. And I have a visual for you today. Some of you thought I was going to do a magic trick, okay? It's actually what my son has to do a speech on a magic trick this, this Friday. I don't know what we're going to do, but anyhow. Um, this is what it means. We kind of look at the Holy Spirit. Think of, think of this cup as you. And when we think about the Holy Spirit, this is you and the Spirit come live. We think of the Spirit just kind of filling us up. When it says be filled with the Spirit. And then what happens is we live out of that power. We release some of that power and we just keep running out. We keep running out. Keep running out. That's not how it works. When it says that they were baptized with the Spirit, it means that one object was submerged in another. In other words, when it comes about being filled, it's actually in the language, it means it's a, what's called a present participle, which means a constant filling, a continual filling. And this is how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live, if the water is the spirit and you are the vessel, you are the glass here, you, if you're a follower of Christ, are supposed to be submerged and constantly being filled. And okay, you comes out a little bit, you're filled again, constantly being filled, that it's a constant filling that happens. But a lot of times, we who profess that we're followers of Jesus, we don't live that way. We don't live as if we have the presence of God within us. We don't live as if the power, the same power, Ephesians tells us, the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave, the same grave that took a dead man and brought him back out, is alive and well within you and me. But do we live that way? Look at what Peter and James did, or Peter and John did. This, well, I'll get to that in a second. Okay, hold on to that. Okay, some guy who wasn't walking one day started walking in. We're going to hit on that pretty hard. Here's my bottom line. When you put calling, when you put calling and passion together, ignited by the Holy Spirit, you have courage that no fear can stop. Last week we talked about calling. When you and I discover why God put us on this earth, when we discover in that passion like all you see is me. When I finally discovered God wired me to start churches, to start new churches, to reach lost people, to see that thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands—that's my dream—tens of thousands of lives would be transformed by planting new churches and launching new churches. That's my calling. That's why I exist. I come flying out of the bed every morning. I don't even drink coffee. That's crazy. It makes me subhuman. Okay. Can you imagine if I drank coffee, those of you that know me? God's good. He's really good. I know his goodness because he does me, if, he would have, if I would have been able to like coffee, I would be a nut job, okay? okay? But do we live that way? Do we live as if we are just submerged and filled and constantly filled with the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we get nervous about the Holy Spirit because we don't want to give up control. 
Let's just be straight up. We don't want to give up control. Because what happens is if you and I give up control and allow God to flood over us and fill us and fill us and fill us, he might use you to do things that get you out of your comfort zone. He might use you in ways that other people are going to look at you and say, oh my goodness. But we choose for just settling. Why can't we be like Peter and John? It's the same Holy Spirit. A couple of weeks ago, um, I, probably a month ago or now, I guess, I, um, I was in a service like this, and I just felt this nudge that God wanted to heal someone's teeth. God doesn't speak to me in an audible voice. I just kind of, a lot of times he just speaks to me through the Bible. But sometimes you get these nudges. And so if you were here that Sunday, I came up and I didn't do, I don't, we don't, I didn't bring them up on stage and bang their forehead or anything, okay? <laughs> I just, I just said, hey, I just, I sense that God wants to heal someone's teeth today. And I'm just going to pray that it happens. I'm going to share a story with you. I got this note. It said, several weeks ago, Pastor Mark received a word of healing for someone with a dental problem. Here's how that story ends. It says, a week later, she heard this word. She wasn't even here, but she heard the word about healing on the way to church, and she realized it was for her. <laughs> That's pretty cool. She had been having trouble with her lower teeth and was unable to wear her dentures when she ate. When she arrived at church that Sunday, her friend and her met with me and explained that, and we just prayed. We prayed for Holy Spirit healing to be unleashed in her life. She said the next day she felt the spirit impress on her to fight through the pain and follow her dentist's instructions to the letter. Over the next seven days, she committed to the regimen, and by the next Sunday, she was eating with her dentures as if they were her own natural teeth. Not only has she been able to eat normal foods, but she has enjoyed a steak. And she says, praise God, praise God. Okay, yes, praise God. I love this story. I was rereading it this morning. I love this story because it matches, it puts the natural and the supernatural together. That's, it's not like all of a sudden these teeth appeared out of nowhere. God can do that, by the way. And he has. I've read stories about him doing it. I want to experience that some. But God took modern medicine and he took these dentures and then he worked some miracles. He brought the supernatural into the natural. And when that collides, look out. Look out. You see, these guys were in jail as we wrap up. They, they were in jail because they healed a guy and couldn't stop talking about Jesus. See, they would, this leper, or not leper, this paralyzed guy uh, probably had some good friends. And what they would do is they would put him on a mat and they would take him outside this, this entry. They called it the, the gate, beautiful gate. And a lot of people who were um, paralytic or had different other disorders, they would all sit out there and they would beg. They would beg for food. They would beg for money. You can read this for yourself in the chapter preceding. And one day, Peter and John are walking by him, and they look at him. They're like, you want to be healed? Yeah, I want to be healed, okay? Paralyzed for 40 years, since we're paralyzed for 40 years. And, Jesus, or, and, and Peter looks at him, and he says, in the name of Jesus, who resurrected from the dead, get up and walk. And the Holy Spirit power was unleashed in that guy's life. And all of a sudden he got up and then scripture tells us that he, he, he kept rejoicing and rejoicing like you wouldn't, right? And everyone found out about it. Like this guy had been 40 years, they'd seen him there almost every day and he couldn't walk. And all of a sudden one day he's walking, word got out. The religious leaders didn't like it because they were going to lose control and power and all those other things. And God said, I'm going to unleash power. I want to close with this. We're going to have a response song. 
Imagine if that started happening here. God's challenged me to be more bold and courageous about healing. What if every time we gathered on a Sunday, someone got healed? I don't know if that's how the person at once healing feels, right? If I'm in here today and I'm struggling with something, I have some, some physical issue, and this can be bomb physical, it could be mental, it could be emotional, it could be spiritual. But what if every time we gathered, I'm, 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 I'm challenging our staff, what if every time we gathered, something happened miraculously around here? What if every time we gathered, this story you just heard, whether it's something supernatural or natural, mixing with supernatural, doesn't really matter. What if that just became normal? Oh, let me you know a secret here. That should be normal. It's not, oh, I wish it, no, it should be. It should be normal to see the Holy Spirit every single day, not just Sunday, every single day do the miraculous. Because Jesus said, well, he asked him, how do we pray, how do we pray? He said, well, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, what is in heaven, healing and wholeness and all that stuff, forgiveness, is supposed to happen on earth. I think a lot of people don't follow after Jesus because they're like, I don't see anything different with their lives. I don't see anything different. They just get together, they sing some songs, they hear a sermon. It's sometimes decent, sometimes better than decent, sometimes worse than decent, okay? But that's all they do and nothing changes. And I refuse to settle anymore. And it's not just for the church, it's for you. I refuse to settle in my own life and I want so much more for you. I want you to experience the fullness of his power in your life. Imagine if that's what happened. Imagine if Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, wherever you lived, wherever you worked, wherever you played, you, through the Holy Spirit's power working in you, allowed the miraculous to happen. Allowed the supernatural to happen. It's not weird, it's normal. And it's not about, it gets weird when we bring glory to ourselves, and when we make a show about it, it should be normal and we give glory to God and we give praise to God. And so this morning, we're gonna close with a song we sang already. It's a song of reflection. It's a song of power. It's a song of Holy Spirit living. Three, every, every Sunday when we gather, we talk about three things to devour. We talk about serving because Jesus said, I didn't come to serve. I, came to be, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. We talk about, we celebrate. We celebrated a story just a few minutes ago and we respond. We, we talk about serving, we celebrate, and we respond. So I'm gonna give you a chance to respond. I'm not gonna make it weird. I'm just gonna go back to my seat. I have anointing oil. I think some others, you guys have anointing oil. I have a couple bottles. Okay, if you need prayer for healing, just slip over. I wanna pray over you for healing. Maybe you just come up front and pray. If you're like, I don't wanna do this in front of people, I'm gonna be there after the service ends. And if you've never said yes to Jesus today, I'm gonna to pray right now. Would you do it? You're missing, you're not even living life. You're here sucking oxygen, but you're not living life. You're not living the, in the identity that God's given you. You're not living free, you're living in bondage, you're living in guilt, you're living in shame. And God wants to release, he wants to release you today. Whether you're 80 years old or whether you're eight years old, he wants to release you today. So I'm gonna pray. The band's gonna come up while I'm praying. We're gonna sing this song. You respond however you want. The front's always open. The communion's always open. The candles, the cross, you can put something. You're praying for healing on the cross. And I'll be at my seat up here to your left on the front row. If you just want prayer for healing and anointed today for healing, come talk.
I'm not going to ask a lot of questions. I'm going to say, what do you want healing for? We're going to pray over healing. We're going to expect it. Are you ready to expect God to move? I'm serious. Are you ready to expect God to meet you where you are and you are ready to, for the Holy Spirit to invade your life in some way that's going to change you from the moment you walked in, from the moment you leave? Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. And I pray for anyone in this room, anyone watching us online, if they have never said yes to you, would today be the day that they turn from the life they're living and would they turn over the reins of their life to the one who died for them? Would you ask God to come in and would you ask him to come in and heal your heart and heal your mind and set you free from whatever it is that's holding you down? And would you turn your life over to him? God, and I pray in these next moments, we would be courageous. We would be bold and we would be courageous. And we would look at the life of Peter, who was an ordinary man, an ordinary person, just like everyone in this room. But yet he was transformed by the power of the resurrection and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, come fill this place. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend. Because changed lives, changed lives.